0: Performance Plus presents The Summit Club Podcast, your business roundtable discussion for sales and business leaders with your host,
1: Bill Statz. Hi, and welcome to The Summit Club, a business roundtable. I'm your host, Bill Statz, and I'm with our Summit Club team, Rick Feinblatt. Hi, Rick. Hey, Bill. John Thane. Hi, JT. Hello, Bill. And John the Hi, JNav. Hey,
2: how's everybody this morning?
1: Everybody looks like they're good. Uh, We're zooming in right now. And as we typically do, our conversations around a current business subject or a book of some significance or an interview with a guest contributor. And today we're fortunate to have one of our most important guest contributors, Rhonda Beard. She's been with us before. She's an HR consultant from Bench Builders. And we'll be discussing a topic that we think is of importance to a lot of folks right now. HR, the new normal, and hopefully it'll be relevant to you and to your world in the business climate right now coming out of this pandemic. So team, let's start. Uh, we'll give Rhonda an opportunity just to give us an update from the last time uh, we had her with us, and then we'll begin our climb to the top. Rhonda, go ahead and, and don't worry for folks that are, that are listening to the podcast Here's something that you think is valuable to you don't struggle trying to take notes while you're driving or whatever because as we typically do and as JT reminded me to talk about up front, there'll be a white paper and Rhonda's bio available on the website that recaps the podcast. So Rhonda, tell us a little bit about the bench builders right now.
0: Well, good morning, Bill. Thanks for having me today. Good morning, everybody. Uh, Well, Bench Builders primarily is focused on HR consulting, management training. We do some coaching and uh, also strategic planning. And what we've really been focused on more than anything lately is the consulting piece. And with so much changing the last few months, there's a lot of businesses that don't know where to go or what to do or how to handle some of these situations that are coming up day to day. So we've been helping a lot of small businesses and HR departments with situations that they're faced with that they may not have resources to, to muddle through and helping people to keep up with new regulations and, and new resources that are coming up. So that's primarily what we've been doing. We have a weekly webinar as well focused on that that's free to anybody who'd like to join. And we post that out on LinkedIn every week. We have different guest speakers on, on the most relevant topic that week. So we're really just trying to help HR departments and small businesses through a lot of the changes they're experiencing right now.
1: That sounds really, really good. Um, So for us today, as businesses start to reopen, and uh, I think you're probably a little ahead of us in Tennessee, aren't you, Rhonda?
0: I think so. I just heard this morning that by this weekend, everything will be fully opened, which is... Yeah, it's interesting, a little scary, maybe. <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. But yeah, our impact in Tennessee has been minimal. So that part's been reassuring, at least, yeah.
1: Well, the new normal, what are some of the greatest concerns and challenges that you'll be hearing about companies and how they need to prepare? So let's just step off from there. And, and with Rhonda here with us today, let's, let's talk about some of the issues. Summit Club
3: team, what do you think? You no, know, Bill, one of the biggest concerns that I've seen amongst my employees, and you know, especially since we're based in eastern Pennsylvania, bordering New Jersey, which are some of the hardest hit areas in the country, uh, as we reopen or businesses reopen and, and permit more customers to come into contact, the biggest concern that I have as an owner and my employees have is their health and safety. How do we do business in this environment? in a way that's healthy, safe, and prevents any further growth of this pandemic that we're in. Do
1: you have anything, Rhonda, you're running yeah,
3: into? Yeah,
0: I mean, I'm hearing the same thing. It's As we talk to people, people are mostly concerned about their health. Employees who maybe haven't been at work, they've been working from home, now they're required to go into work where they're going to be around people they haven't been around in 60 days or more. And what's interesting is, is we're hearing from some companies that, Some employees are just really put out by a lot of the extra safety measures that are in place. They don't want to wear masks. They don't want to deal with this. And others don't want to be at work because they don't think that the safety measures are enough. So businesses are really struggling with a big variety of responses to this from employees. But what they need to be most focused on is the health and safety of their employees as they're bringing people back.
4: It's interesting, Rhonda. I I think, uh, you know, as companies open... I can't think of one that is not going to have to make some changes in order to reopen. So could, could you talk about what some of those things probably are?
0: Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Uh, You know, a lot of people that have uh, small businesses have been able to function pretty much as normal with some minor adjustments, but the larger businesses that are bringing people back that have maybe hundreds of employees uh, may have to reconfigure their whole office space because they're now subject to social distancing they have to keep people apart. So they either have to spread them out or put up some barriers between people that may be working close together. Uh, you know, I've heard of, of companies that have taken guest chairs out of the offices. Nobody can go in anyone's office and sit down. Uh, meetings as well. Even though you're back in the office, meetings are being done online. So no multiple people in conference rooms. And then A lot of companies are requiring employees and customers and visitors to wear masks, to take temperatures. I've been in, you know, just started going into some businesses the last couple weeks and I've probably had my temperature taken 10 times in the last two weeks. So companies have to train people on how to do that, have equipment for it, uh, have the setup for it. So there's, you know, just a number of things that they're having to go through in order to meet the requirements to reopen.
2: Wow. Uh, Rhonda, it's it seems like a lot of this is hinging on the idea of a booster or a vaccine to be developed before we can truly get back to the old normal. Yeah um, and in that and from sources who I've been talking with in pharma world myself as well as uh, just general news, that seems like it, it's probably not going to be till q one of 2021 till anything realistic starts to come out of that. So at this point, we just pretty much have to lock and load. Uh, and just accept where we're at and just try to move forward with it. I do have a quick question in regards to that, though. As this is going to be projected forward for a while, it's not going to be the two, three-month thing that everybody was, was kind of hoping and planning for. Do, do we need to cover ourselves in paperwork, for instance? When somebody comes back to work, do they sign something that say, I accept responsibility coming back to work to have PPE or precautions or whatnot? Or is there any, like, s- signatures required?
0: Well, that's interesting. Uh, Haven't really come up against that as much as just making sure actually that employers have real clear guidelines for employees. So as people are coming back to make sure they understand what's required of them, it certainly is not going to hurt for people to sign an agreement if uh, the employer wants to make sure and protect themselves as far as what's been told to employees or what's been expected. And, you know, there's, there's been a number of cases where employers have asked, what do I do if this person comes back and they refuse to wear a mask or they refuse to do this or people refuse to come back because they don't feel safe. And that becomes really tough. And we're just encouraging companies to try to be as flexible as you can. And yes, you have rules and policies, but you have to try to understand what people have been through the last Few months, not just at work, but at home personally. You know, and we can get into the whole issue of having kids at home when you're working, <laughs> which could take all day. Um, but people are still dealing with personal issues as they're being required to come back to work. So I think you know, being flexible, trying to understand people's situation, and work with you know different scenarios whether people need to be back or not, um, instead of just really towing a hard line and, and saying this is the way it's going to be. Uh, One thing we've told people over and over is employees are going to remember how they've been treated by their company during these times. It's going to be a lasting impact on a company's reputation, Uh, but it's, you know, it certainly won't hurt to, to have a signature on an agreement when people come back for sure. Right.
2: The reason I'm bringing that up, Rhonda, is I have a a good friend of mine that's a lawyer and I was asking him in his world, how is life going? And they're pretty much dead in the water because for at least on our side, the courts are closed. Mm-hmm. And I was just talking about the next steps after the new normal opens up, and he said, "What you're going to start seeing a lot of is these ambulance chaser lawyers, and their ads are going to be: Did your boss ask you to come back to work early, or when you didn't want to, and you got COVID? They're and up now, now you're John.
1: They're up now. You, I'm seeing that? them
2: now. Are you I'm really seeing the
1: ads? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And,
2: and and that's why I was asking about the signature. So is there anything? Not to put you on the spot, Rhonda, but as this is progressing and there might be a disgruntled employee and this is their breaking point, if something like that would happen to begin with, is there anything in your mind that could protect somebody from that situation? Sure.
0: Well, and again, I think you know, employers need to, first of all, make sure that they're up to speed on what the most recent CDC guidelines are as far as returning to work and as far as what workplace requirements are and also OSHA guidelines. So OSHA and CDC are going to be the two main things that companies need to be sure that they're up to date on and know that they're in compliance with those guidelines. And basically, you know, as far as people coming back to work, you know, what OSHA says is, is someone cannot refuse to come to work unless there is a clear unsafe condition, unless there's something in the workplace that is an unsafe condition. Just because the employee doesn't feel like they're safe at work or has some anxiety around it, that's not going to be a valid reason to not return. So I think, you know, first of all, making sure that you're in compliance with CDC and OSHA and then communicating to employees exactly what it is that the company's doing to make sure that they're safe. And again, just listen to employees or listen to their concerns and make sure that you are listening and uh, And I agree if if there's a concern, companies can certainly put together a guideline that says upon returning to work here's what the company has done, and here's what employees will be expected to do and have them sign it and you know that documentation is always good to have in your back pocket if there's ever any question, but mainly just being in compliance with CDC with OSHA, and then just clear communication with employees about requirements and what the company's doing to make sure that they are safe.
1: I think, you know, just to interject, um, there's all these standards floating around and the standards vary by state and all that, but I think mm-hmm. you're never going to be able to manage every individual's expectations. Right. And a few minutes ago, I was going to say, I don't want to just say Rick and I, because we've all had people at work that we've had to interact with, that for older people like me, feel they were like pig pen from Charlie Brown. I never could figure out when they washed last. They're wearing the same, we've had disc jockeys, they're wearing the same corduroys for the last three weeks. I don't want to mention any names, but, (laughs) you know, and you look at them in this situation, and there's going to be some people that are going to be saying, you have got to be kidding me. You want me to do what? I don't even want to be breathing the same air. And I think, uh, you know, the practical part is, If anybody watches Ozark, there's a situation there where uh, Marty, one of the characters, this is relevant, says, I just manage money. And the woman from the cartel, who's an attorney, says, I just manage words. And I think that's the the difference. You know, lawyers are not going to find any easy swim in this environment trying to manage words around serious health issues and people that are scared and Mm -hmm. fearful. You know, yeah. and I think organizations, whether it's a company or whether it's a, a nonprofit or whatever, are going to have to say, look, we're going to do the best we can according to the guidelines. And if we have to have people sign off on it. Right. So it, you know. The other piece,
0: too, is, you know, that we really advise people on is to make sure that you're keeping in compliance with HIPAA. You know, the confidentiality, medical issues. There there's certain things you can and cannot share through this, as well as ADA, FMLA, I mean, there's a lot of compliance issues as you're going through this as well with normal employment law, but it's just going to be applied a little bit differently in these scenarios. So, you Rhonda,
4: if, if I'm in 100% compliance with everything I need to be uh, in compliance with, and I have an employee who says, says to me, yeah, I'm not comfortable, I'm not coming back to work, have they, in essence, quit after a period of time of trying to work that out? I mean, what, what's yeah, the they- solution there?
0: Yeah, certainly it can be treated that way. And again, we would just encourage employers to find out why that employee doesn't want to come back to work. What's the situation? Is it something at home? Is it something at work? And try to work with them to get them to that level. But if they just refuse and there's nothing unsafe at work, then, yeah, in essence, they've quit.
1: Okay. Could it be they're they're getting too much unemployment?
0: Uh, well, they won't get any, any unemployment if they quit. So <laughs> I think that's a, a little bit of a misconception that people have is I'm just going to say that I don't feel safe and I can stay at home and keep collecting unemployment. But if there's work for you and you decide not to come to work, most cases you're not going to be eligible for unemployment after that.
1: Well, that's why I bring it up from yeah. Rick's point too. I mean, there's going to be people out there that are getting that $600 a week bonus yeah. from the federal government. They're going to say, Why do I want to go back and work. Mm -hmm. for jt i mean i'll just hang where i am yeah it's
0: been an issue for sure it's a great benefit but it's creating issues
3: you know rhonda i'm gonna kind of rewind here a little bit Uh, a while back you mentioned as it related to osha cdc hipaa and so forth how important it is to communicate yet (laughs) we're, we're social distancing You know, we have limited contact quite often, even Mm -hmm. when we are in the same place with our employees, and we still have many, many employees that are working remotely. How is it best to communicate in this environment?
0: and we've really encouraged companies to communicate in a variety of methods that will encompass all those situations. So obviously your normal methods and, and amount of communication is not sufficient. You have to definitely communicate much more. Uh, send letters home, you know, send emails, have small group meetings for people that are at work, have Zoom or virtual calls with people that are working remotely. But you may need to communicate in multiple methods to get the same information out to different groups of people. But you just, you can't over communicate in this situation. You need to take extra efforts to share as much information as you have when you have it to keep people informed. And, As we talk about social media in many cases around this too. One of the things we've encouraged employers is employees are out on social media. What do you want them to be saying about your company when they're on social media? So make sure that you're giving them as much information as you possibly can. And you're treating them in a way that you don't mind being published because they're going to be out there. They have a lot more time to do it and they're going to be on social media.
1: So think about, yes. When you and I first (laughs) what <laughs> one of the issues was a communication issue, and, yeah. and just to kind of as a sidebar to what you were saying right now, um, you guys did an employee survey and found—at least that's my recollection—and found out that the employees were really frustrated because they didn't know what the heck was going on. Mm-hmm. And ownership decided, this is not this is not tolerable. We got to fix it. And I guess one of the points was. That i learned from you in a manufacturing environment, a lot of these people don't have emails. Or if they do, it's just not some, a good way to communicate with them. Mm-hmm. So the things you and I focused on were break rooms, putting video up so that they're in there getting something. Now, in this environment, I don't know what break rooms look like anymore. I don't know if they're allowed mm-hmm. to be going in there for coffee or whatever. But the other thing that I thought was really significant was what you called a chair drop. And that's where you have machine operators and welders and whatever, but they have a chair. They have a space where they work in the plant. And that communication had to be a piece of paper on the chair. Otherwise, they're never going to know about what's going on.
0: Yeah. In those types of jobs, you're right, where people don't have access to email. Again, small group meetings to share information in person handouts letters home and even one app that we used was called easy texting where you can send a group text and that works real well too for shorter messages but at least to keep people informed you know from your computer you can send a message out to multiple people and uh and do a daily update so even something like that everybody has a phone so you know everybody's going to get a text message if you have their numbers so using technology even for people that don't have email There's options out there. And and again, you have to use multiple methods to make sure you're getting to everybody.
3: Well, you know, one of of the things, and you you mentioned it earlier, when it's safe for an employee to come back, and I think we should address what we know today is, is safe, whether you're in an office, a large office, or a retail space, or a takeout restaurant, we should probably address some of that. But where we do have individuals that are resistant to come back, and they have fear and it's it's a legitimate situation. They could have no child care since their children are out of schools. They could have uh, a spouse that's out of work. More important, they could have different generations living in the same household and have a vulnerable grandparent or great grandparent in the home. How do you deal with it if they have a legitimate reason not to come back?
0: Well, I I think one thing you first need to do is determine, is it essential that they need to be back at the office? Does Do they have to be in the office? If it's someone who's been working from home, has it been effective? If it's been effective, why not let it continue if that works out better for the individual? So a lot of companies have not been open to telework in the past, but were forced into it suddenly, and have found that sometimes it works pretty well and it depends on the individual depends on the job but um, more than 60% of salary people are have been working from home and it's predicted that probably half of those may not ever come back to work on a regular basis because it does work so I think first of all determine who's essential to be back in the office is it necessary and if someone does have concerns can you gradually work them back? Maybe one day a week, maybe two days a week. Again, depending on their job, if uh, it's something that could be a, a gradual process or if they need some more time to work out child care, can you extend working from home for a little bit longer? So figure out what the person's situation is. If it's a personal situation that's maybe temporary that can be worked through with some help, see how you can help them. Because again they're going to feel a whole lot better about coming back to work if the company, if HR if their manager has been flexible with them and tried to work out something that's going to work for them if it's an app, you know if it's manufacturing and they've got to be back there because they have to run this machine again, um, try to find out what's making them uncomfortable but if you have to have them back, you have to have them back and that's something that you know, an employer and employee will have to face at some point and make a decision if there's real problems with it.
1: Hey, Rhonda, it's probably a sensitive issue. Where does the HR really fit in this situation? Hypothetically, if if John has got a group of people working with him and they're coming back, and people there somehow communicate with you that we're not doing the right things. This isn't, does HR step in or even even a small company, do they go to the hierarchy, the GM or whatever, or I mean, by the time you would maybe follow the normal uh, reporting uh, process, the issue may really be, (laughs) it's over. We've already screwed it up. Or can HR have a different uh, kind of footprint in the situation where a, a company should let them to some degree step in and make recommendations or seek yet I mean I don't know it's, yeah. it's just a question I would have Whether whether it's a large organization or a, a smaller company. How do you guys well, fit?
0: And you know, I, I've been in HR for years and my view has always been my role in HR is to to protect employees and to help balance the needs of the business. So that's really HR's role. And it is a balancing act right now to protect your business and also protect your employees. So HR really has to try to do both, but definitely err on the side of being the advocate for the employee and making sure that all the right things are in place at a company. And if they're not, to go to whoever needs to make those decisions and get those things in place. So cleaning, you know, we haven't even talked about cleaning in a workplace but most definitely you know more sanitizing more frequent cleaning more deep cleaning and making sure those things are in place whoever is responsible for them that it's getting done that employees know that it's being done again make sure it, as part of the communication that we're telling employees what it is the company's doing, the extra steps the company's taking to make sure they're safe. So I think HR really has to facilitate that communication throughout the organization. It may be through different people, but HR can definitely take the lead role in making sure all the right things are being done for the employees, communicating that, and then obviously being the ear to employees that, that needs some help, needs some help adjusting. So it's HR's role is pretty significant right now.
4: I think it's even more critical than it ever has been, and I think that's oh, yeah. what you're saying. I mean, I, I was always comfortable uh, before I did anything that affected people to le- at least seek the counsel of HR and legal, to at least know that if I was going to go ahead and do something, what issues I might face. But now, if you're an employer, it's, I think, even more critical to seek those folks out before you just make a unilateral decision that could come back and really uh, haunt you in the future.
0: Mm, absolutely. And it, something else that HR can certainly do for employees that may be having some personal issues or may have some real concerns or even financial, you know, concerns is point them to resources that are available to them in the communities. There's a lot of resources that have been established for companies as well as individuals in a lot of local and state communities. So, you know, Employee Assistance Program, if you have someone who's really seriously having some anxiety or uh, emotional issues over whether it's family or health, if you have an Employee Assistance Program, United Way agencies, other resources within the community that can help them, uh, it's important to communicate as well.
1: I've always been a believer in upfront problem solving. And so maybe just stepping off of the EAP employment, employee and assistance program idea, maybe companies, no matter how small should let uh, all the employees know upfront. If you have an issue, if you, if you are confused, if you don't understand, if you don't agree, here's the process for it. Even with a small right. company, a pizza shop, at least if they say it ahead of time and, and come to me and, as the boss or the manager and let me know, don't see it over it. Don't, you know, worry about it, but to do it up front so that maybe it's not part of the typical culture in the organization, but it Mm -hmm. has to be now.
0: Absolutely. And again, you you can't over communicate. You can't share too much information with people. Um, You need to share with them what you know, when you know it. And if there's questions that people have and you don't know the answers, you know, tell them you don't know, but when you do give them the updates, because again, a lot of the stuff is changing every day and keeping employees up to speed with what is changing, what new requirements are, what companies need to do, what they need to do, what visitor requirements are, the more information you share with them, the more comfortable they're going to become.
2: In terms of the new policies and procedures that we have to adapt to uh, mm-hmm. as employers, having our staff come back. One of the things you mentioned a little bit ago, Rondo, is that people are working remote now. So with that, and people have kids, and you know they might not have childcare, and it's a whole new set of rules. So I, is it something where you think flexible work options are gonna become more apparent? So you have what's given to you to get done, And whether you get it done at 10 in the morning or 10 at night, as long as you meet your deadline, that's really all that matters. I mean, do you think some of that's going to start happening or there's still going to be people more old school of you're supposed to be nine to five sitting in front of that computer? Like, where do you see that happening?
0: Yeah, well, I, I think there is still some of that old school right now. And that's what's making telework. Kind of challenging because again so many people got thrown into it without a lot of experience without guidelines without having it happen before without the technology without the communication so a lot of people are muddling through it but it is working i mean it's obviously working there's a lot of people teleworking and it's effective but i do think it's important if companies haven't had policies or guidelines around it that now is a really good time to get that in place while it's fresh, you've been dealing with it. You know what challenges there might be. You know, people have said, um, is it okay to establish policies that, you know, you can't have your dog in the same room when you're on a Zoom call? Well, of course it's okay because it's a distraction. But, you know, as we're transitioning, again, be a little bit more flexible until people get used to these things. But absolutely get some guidelines in place for telework, which can make it more, even more effective in the future. And then it's clear on what expectations are. Um, the nine to five, in many cases, is necessary depending on the type of business you're in. But if it's not, then you should really focus more on the outcomes, not when people are working. So if people are getting the job done, you know, they may have kids at home. And they have, in the past several months, they've had to work with their kids to do schoolwork online Absolutely. during the day. So if people are doing their work from, you know, until midnight if they're getting the work done and the hours aren't critical that should be okay but it is just getting people used to something different it's a transition and uh, but getting the guidelines in place definitely is going to be helpful for companies as well as their employees to be clear
1: right now it we're we're pushing the limits of time and my thought is maybe we're having a business leaders roundtable next week and maybe that's uh, a decent spot to say uh, we had the program with Rhonda today, and what are the snags or the obstacles specifically that some of these business leaders are running into, and and then we we give them to Rhonda, invite her back to specifically deal with some real world issues that uh, you know whether they're John's clients, Rick's clients. Uh, Your clients, JNAV, you've got a variety, some of them bigger than others, I mean, as well, and maybe have some specifics so that the next time we can almost go right down the list and say to Rhonda, she'll know ahead of time, here's what this company has done. It seems to be working. What do you think and how would other companies apply it? Or here's something that one of the business leaders said, well, I don't know how to deal with this one, Um, and maybe Rhonda can shed some light on it.
4: I think also, and uh, we, we probably should talk about it because uh, it seems to me we're talking about a lot of the issues with bringing people back to work. Uh, over the years, I can't tell you how many people have come to me and said, "Hey, you know, I can do my job from home." It's like, oh, this is a nightmare. <laughs> if I let you do it, I've got Two thousand other. I mean, it's just. And my answer generally was, uh, "That's not workable because if I do it for you, I have to do it for other people." And and now we've been forced to do it. So, you know, not for all companies, there are a lot of companies where people have to be in the workplace to do their job. But I think a lot of companies, employers are going to go, you know, this has worked pretty well. Mm-hmm. And are financial savings for me by having people work at home. So I think this is going to change the, you know, the, the landscape of the, of the workplace going forward and not necessarily in a negative way. I think for a lot of people, it's going to be very, very positive where people aren't going to work five days a week. They're going to work from home. And as Rhonda said, hey, if somebody's getting their job done, seriously, why do we really care where they're doing it? And maybe, you know, smaller staffs and, you know, rotating staffs, which means if I'm an employer, maybe I don't need all the office space I have.
0: Right. And I think you're right. I think most people have looked at it as a nightmare. It's going to be a problem. But now, we would just really encourage people to look at how you can make it work, not why it won't work, but how can you make it work? And you're right. There's benefits to the employee as well as the company. It reduces your floor space. It reduces the need for furniture, you know, potentially for um, you know, desks and chairs and all that adds up. And as far as the employee, think about commute time. You know, A lot of people commute 45 minutes, an hour each day. They've just added two hours to their day, either their personal time or work time, whichever it ends up being. But it can be a big benefit for employees too.
1: There's an article in the Wall Street Journal earlier this week about Silicon Valley. It may be the death of Silicon Valley as we know it because Mm -hmm. people have already relocated. The the software developers in Salt Lake City, Utah, her rent is like 40% less. She has no commuting time. And her company is thrilled and they're deciding they're going to let most of their employees work remotely. So mm-hmm. all of a sudden it's, it's commuting time, it's salaries. I mean, this is a capitalistic deal. And if, if you can uh, have people satisfied with their income in a different location and it's a lot less and they don't have the stress, or whatever, could be a well, game changer.
0: And, and it is just, A need to look at things differently, just as a lot of businesses have to look at their business differently now. You know, restaurants, classic example, how many have gone to curbside pickup that they never had before? You know, minor example, but businesses are going to be forced to look at things differently in order to survive and move forward. And flexible work is just one of those.
1: Well, thanks for joining us today. And don't forget to check out the Summit Club website for other episodes covering a variety of business issues (laughs) Thanks to Rhonda Beard for visiting with us. I would like to uh, have an open invitation to her to follow up with some of the things that our business leaders at the round table may raise as issues and have a future podcast where we can give her those areas of focus in advance and have the benefit of her giving us some feedback. Keep in mind that the round table provides business consulting uh, business meeting presentations, market resources, and one-on-one coaching and team training. We can come to you or you can come to us, both virtually. And in beautiful downtown Plymouth meeting, we kind of forget what that looks like, don't we, guys? Um <laughs> Thanks again, Rhonda. John, you have one more thing? That you yeah, want to anybody that's
2: uh, listening in the car or at home, if you have any questions for us or more specifically for Rhonda, as part of the topics of today's episode just drop us a line at talk@summitclubpodcast.com at and then we'll get right back to you.
1: All good. So till next time, good climb to the top.
0: To learn more about the Summit Club podcast, please find us online at www.summitclubpodcast.com. The Summit Club podcast is recorded and produced by Inertia Marketing and Design, a full-service marketing, digital, and graphic communications agency. You can find them at www.inertia.marketing.
1: Thanks for listening to the Summit Club podcast, and we'll see you at the top.